You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. Um, you know, healthy, alive, you know, uh, just healthy, alive, doing well. That's great. Did you like what we did yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. Put your feet up. Yeah. The, um, the project itself actually turned out really well. I, I thought that it was a nice, as you said, it was a nice break. Uh, it wasn't, hence, the break room. So, you know, I, I would like to do more of those in the future and and see where it goes i mean i think that we had a very i think we had a very well-rounded conversation and i got some uh, i got some texts from marty this morning he said yeah i i should have weighed in on more i shouldn't have left i shouldn't have gone to watch tv and you know next time I'll, but that to me means we need to revisit it so we'll go back to it at some point uh because i mean i listened back to it today and i'm like why am i not talking about this why am i not bringing up this point why am i not doing this so we're just going to have to go back and do it again. So if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. But next time we're going to talk about something different. So I'm not quite sure what that well, is yet. In hindsight, though, we, it's kind of a bunch of old gamers sitting around complaining about how games are better back in the day. <laughs> Some well, of it yeah, was in hindsight. Yeah, it's kind of like it's it's kind of like talking to your to, to a young kid and say, boy, back in my day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty close so, to that. I mean, saying we're old gamer does uh, using the term old gamers. Let me let me clarify that. That doesn't mean we're old. It means we've been gaming for a long time. I've been gaming for 27 years, actually. So, well, you know, like I said last night, I, I just don't have that kind of time anymore. I mean, I do a little bit, but just not not to the level that I used to because things are moving so fast and things are things are so prevalent right now. And I, I honestly I think that that is, you know, for a couple hours or whatever it is a week or however much you do, you know, that's that's enough of a like a, you know, step away, a distraction, that kind of stuff. But all this other stuff that's happening so fast, it takes precedent. It takes precedent. You know, games have games are nice and all, but we've got other more important things to deal with at the moment. So I think that you know, those things take center stage. And I had somebody bring this up to me uh, earlier today, actually. They said, don't you ever just sit on the couch and chill out? And I said, no, I don't have time to do that. I'm too busy doing doing other things. Unless I'm actually studying, you know, if I'm reading a, a history book or something, then of course, I'm going to be on the couch relaxing. But other than that, you know, I'm I'm not um, I'm not wasting my time. Same thing with uh, with Netflix. I don't care anymore. I can't even tell you the last time I watched Netflix. I think I've still got it. I'm not sure. But after that whole debacle with the uh, whatever it was, I just haven't gotten around to canceling it yet. I don't even use the damn thing anymore. Uh, Amazon yeah. Video. Uh, you mentioned relaxing and whatnot. Uh, the the times that I actually stretch out and relax is in the mornings because because of our time difference in the mornings, you've already posted articles, you know, so I'll lay in bed, pull up the articles, flip through them, read through them, catch up on the news before I get up. So that's really the only time that I you know, sit down and relax, if you will. Rest of the time, it's I'm looking at um, news articles, uh, reading um, up on, you know, whoever we're going to talk about or uh, seeing uh, tracking down leads on some topics, seeing if there's anything good for us to talk about, watching other podcasts, you know. So it's pretty much after we get done here, we play games for a few, I don't know, couple hours and then I'll play some games with someone else for a few hours and then it's back off to work. 
Um, so speaking of, of distractions and, and things that get people's minds off things, social media. Social media has been having a bit of a problem since the election, and they've kind of lost a little bit of credibility. So what's what's going on? I understand a lot of people are moving over to Parler. I've had at least a half a dozen people this week tell me that they're leaving Facebook. They closed out all their stuff and they're gone. They jumped over to Parler. So what are people actually doing? What is is that the reason? I mean, it, it was my understanding that people were circulating their own petitions. They were starting their own online petitions to challenge the election. And Facebook was taking those posts down or they were flagging them or, or something like that. Or people were reporting them. You know, the woke people were reporting them. And so they've decided to um, to uh, walk away. Yeah. So with all the censorship we've been seeing lately, both with the Biden stuff, both with the election stuff, COVID-19, you know, it's all kind of it's all piling in on top of of each other. We have groups and on Facebook that are basically saying they're going to leave Facebook and talking about, um, you know, it's kind of an ad campaign, if you will. Right. But from users to basically say, hey, close down your Facebook account, delete everything, close it out. Go somewhere else like Parler or something. Kind of the same thing we're seeing with Twitter uh, because of what Twitter's doing and what Jack Dorsey's doing and the the nonsense he was saying in front of Congress. He he was effectively lying without blatantly lying. He was saying things like, oh, yeah, I'm not aware of uh, any, you know, any of these problems, whatever it is, the, the certain types of censorship. We're not doing it for your views or anything. We're really doing it because you're violating policy. Never mentioning what the policy was that was being violated, for example. And then when you go in and look at the, the stuff that they're censoring, nothing violates policy. Uh, so, I mean, if you want to test it as a user, post something that's, quote unquote, hotly contested, like, oh, I don't know, question the fact that the election was fair and say that there was... Um, irregularities in voting. And then, I don't know, pull out some facts and talk about how there was um, 21,000 dead people that voted in Pennsylvania alone, uh, or, or talk was about the fact that- Was it Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania? I thought it was, was just- one of them. Yeah. That's according to South Dakota uh, governor. I thought we also um, had, did we also that. have dead people? Yeah. Didn't we also have dead people in Arizona and Nevada as well? Yeah, it was either, I, it was one of the two, but let's be honest, it, this happens everywhere. We knew this was a thing that happens. You know, dead people oh, the, vote all the time. The, That's the, the whole reason you're supposed going, to purge the registry. Yeah, the dead people have been going back for a long time. I mean, like I've like I've said here before, I remember my grandfather telling me when he was a kid, he would go down walking past the um, you know the the town graveyard on election day, and there was somebody out there with a notepad taking the names, and they would take it down to the uh, to the local polling station, and yeah, that's that's where it would go. Yeah, so. Uh, basically, with with all this nonsense that's going on, it, you know, talk about it. Put some put some facts out there on Facebook and see if your post gets um, censored uh, or or gets the notorious tag underneath saying the the election is hotly contested. And then the link it sends you to basically says there's no voter, there's no mass voter fraud in America. And, that, and that's all it says. It, basically, it doesn't give you any kind of evidence or facts. So they're they're quote unquote fact checking. And they're not addressing any of the facts you put out there. They just say, oh, there's no such thing as voter fraud in the U.S. Not not on a massive scale. You know, obviously there is. But when when you get into a massive, uh, you know, mail in ballot situation or what have you, like a national election, if you if there's a, a means for you to cheat there that's put forward like mail in voting and you just have, I don't know, five percent of the votes are, you know, illegal. That's what potentially. 15 million votes, roughly. 
well, it's a little less than that because it's not actually 330 million that vote. So it'd be probably half of that, seven or eight million. Still, that's seven or eight million votes. That is more than the discrepancy between uh, uh, the popular vote between uh, Trump and Hillary, right? I think she won the popular vote in the end by like, what was it, three million or something like that? So uh, honestly, these these places, these um, states, they're so close, many of them, that even if you did have a small margin of, of voter fraud going on, that's enough to flip the election. So anyway, that, that was kind of a bunny trail say, uh, to the to the fact that um, Twitter and Facebook are are censoring. Instagram's also censoring. So people are ditching uh, like Twitter and Facebook and going to other alternatives. Um, not sure an alternative to Facebook really, but uh, the 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 quote unquote conservative version of Twitter is Parler. Though they welcome everybody there, and they don't they don't censor anyone unless you're a troll. And all you talk, you know, all you do is cuss and and berate people, and you're not actually there to, you know, communicate with people. Uh, then they'll ban you. But otherwise, yeah, it's a pretty pretty decent place. You know, you talk there about um, getting involved in, you know, fraud in elections and stuff like that. I mean, you know, what what happens if you're convicted of election fraud? What what happens? What happens if you get convicted or you get found out? I mean, we're seeing arrests happen all over the place, right? I mean, people are being arrested for election fraud left and right. These are people that are in the election process. Well, how about this? A Democratic operative convicted of election law violations helped the Democrats win in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is one of the um, one of the battleground states right now, isn't it? It is. So a stolen presidential election in the nation's elections fraud capital on the unbelievable level of corruption from the Democrat machine in Pennsylvania. In 1986, Councilman Lee Beloff, the son of a judge, was indicted along with his wife and two Democratic committee members for conspiracy, voting more than once and giving false information on voter registrations to elderly people living in a nursing home. Beloff had previously received a gubernatorial pardon for interfering with poll- with a poll watcher so he could run for public office. Man, these people are unbelievable. After serving six years of his 10-year prison sentence, Beloff got out and became a Democratic ward chairman. An additional local Democratic ward leader said, quote, we stay loyal to our people. So you have people that are convicted of election violations and you bring them back into the party and they run for office. That's staying loyal to your people. Someone that gets convicted of a felony. That's that's staying loyal to your people. And and this these are the people that we're supposed to trust in our electoral process. This Texas, they just caught a guy that committed 119 acts of felony, and and it the it was voting fraud, uh-huh. 119 counts. That's what he's he's accused of that. I think he, they're still going through the process, but I see. Well, it says here a photo last year from the Philly Public Record shows a meeting of the combined 39th Ward Democratic organizations. One of the photos is titled "A South Philly Classic" and features Lee Bellhoff, which is the guy in question here, and Ozzie Myers. Who's Ozzie Myers? Ozzie Myers is a former Democrat congressman who'd been convicted of bribery and conspiracy and spent three years in prison in the Abscam scandal was indicted again this year for conspiring to violate voting rights by fraudulently stuffing the ballot boxes for specific candidates in 2014, 2015, and 2016 primary elections. Bribery of an election fish official, falsification of records, voting more than once in federal elections. There's a third man in the photo next to Bellhoff who has been convicted of voter fraud and Ozzie Myers, who would go on to be indicted for election fraud. And that man is Bob Brady. Bob Brady is the chairman of the Philadelphia Democratic Party. 
Brady's a former Democrat House ranking member known as the, quote, mayor of Capitol Hill. He didn't run for reelection after an FBI investigation of a payout to an opponent. So he tried to pay his opponent off so he wouldn't run. Brady didn't go down for it, but some of his people did. One of them was a gentleman by the name of Ken Smuckler. A federal judge sentenced Ken Smuckler, a longtime aide to former U.S. Representative Bob Brady, to 18 months in prison and a $75,000 fine for violating election law. What you did in this case subverts the election process, U.S. District District Judge Jan E. Dubois told Smuckler at the end of an emotional sentence hearing on Friday. The rules were established by Congress, and they were meant to be followed. And what did Smuckler do when he got out of prison? Democratic leaders in Philadelphia have been meeting in recent weeks to discuss their get-out-the-vote strategy ahead of the November election. The stakes are high as the party rallies to give presidential candidate Joe Biden an edge in Battleground, Pennsylvania, which he actually lost, by the way. That's why some attendees were surprised to see Ken Smuckler, the felon convicted of election law crimes, among the attendees at a recent Zoom call with Democratic City Committee Chairman Bob Brady and dozens of ward leaders. Brady said no members of the Biden campaign were involved in the call. Sure, of course not. And a Biden campaign official said it has not met with Smuckler. We're not working with him, the official has said. Now, see, clearly, Bruce, there's no evidence of any kind of uh, election meddling or election fraud or or anything like that. I mean, there's really nothing. Everything seems on the up and up here. Yeah, I mean... uh all the major social media platforms are banning people for saying, not ban- banning, but shadow banning or censoring people that are saying there is voter fraud. So clearly, this is just a right wing hoax. It is. It is it's perpetuated by the right wing media. Of course it is. And you saw what happened to uh, Kaylee McEnany from Neil Cavuto. Yes. I, I was going to say, actually, the, the right wing media is actually not even yeah, reporting they're that not because even. the right wing media is actually Fox News now supposedly. And they're not even willing to talk about voter fraud and any of that kind of stuff. And as you were saying, Kaylee McEnany was, um, which, who show was she on? Uh, Neil Cavuto. On Fox? Neil Cavuto. She started, she had a press, you know, was doing a press conference with, uh, talking about voter fraud and what the Trump campaign was, um, or really what the White House was doing. And, and the, she was giving evidence to what, uh, the voter fraud was and talking about that. And, and instead, uh, what Fox decided to do was, Oh, voter fraud. Oh, th- those are some pretty, pretty steep allegations. I-, I can't in good conscience let you listen to the rest of it because she's not going to give any facts or any kind of backing of that. We'll continue to listen for you uh, to see if she does give any facts. And then they went to a commercial break. Now, that doesn't sound suspicious or anything. That that doesn't sound out of order, does it? I mean, to you, does that sound out of order? I don't think so. I don't think so. That's, that's perfect. That's no. fair. That's non-biased. Yeah. That's that's clear cut. That's clear cut politics is what that is. I mean, yeah, they they called it. They called it. They, the, the media, they called it. Remember? Yeah, they, they called it. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Now, no, see, it's good. I mean. It wasn't like 20 or 30 seconds later that she actually talked about voter fraud and actually talked about those things, you know, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. it's just it's just senseless allegations, to be fair. Yeah. Now, yeah. the Sun Papers, right? A, another Rupert Murdoch outfit. Speaking of Fox News, another Rupert Murdoch outfit. They're putting out the headline called Joe Doubt, right? And meaning, obviously, it's a it's a spinoff of no doubt. Nearly 80 percent of Americans except Joe Biden won the presidential election with just three percent saying that Trump was reelected, a poll shows. Huh. That's, um, I wonder how many people they, they surveyed in that highly, poll. Highly scientific poll that they did online for only their staff. Yeah, it makes, makes sense. Yeah. So look, you, you ask 3%, how, how's that even possible? Well, let's look at the poll. 
a whopping 79% of Americans think uh, American adults, 79% of American adults, right? I didn't get asked. Did you? I mean, I'm an American adult. I, I, didn't, I, get asked. I didn't get asked. The, the no. people that I know in my circles, they didn't get asked. In fact, no. they all think that this is fraudulent. But, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I got asked about, I don't know, two hours ago. What, what do you think about uh, what, what do you think about the election? I said, I just want a free and fair one. That's all I want. Whoever wins, it doesn't matter to me. I just want a free and fair one. Exactly. They said, was, was this one not free and fair? And I said, no, not, not at all. I said, you don't freeze the vote when you figure out you're going to lose and then you dump ballots. You don't do that. That's never happened before. And all of a sudden, I mean, that's just going to. Yeah, right. A whopping 79 percent of American adults think Biden won the November 3rd election, including more than half of Republicans. Oh, oh, really? According to a now, see, Bruce, if you just consider the source of this poll, then you know that it's you know, it's it's authentic. Reuters National Opinion Survey conducted this uh, this poll. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's yeah. very yeah, uh, that's great polling agency. Um, they didn't miss by, was it nine points? It was either 4.9 or 9.6 or so. Um, I'd, I'd have to go back and look. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now it says here, meanwhile, only 3% can't, or excuse me, only 3% believe Trump won. 13% said the election has not yet been decided. And 5% say they don't know. Most media organizations called the called Biden the winner on Saturday after he garnered 279 electoral votes of the 270 needed compared to Trump, who only had 214. See, that's all he was able to get. That's all he was able to get. They, I noticed yesterday, though, they right. finally called North Carolina. I, I did notice that. So the states that weren't done counting yet that Trump was winning in. By a lot. Uh, yeah. And then they just mysteriously had ballot dumps at 4 a.m. All for Biden. Those states flipped by you know, in some cases, 30,000 votes. Um, well, in, in some cases, it was l- well over 10%, just mysteriously. Yeah. yeah. So those states, you know, clearly. The thing is, is at, at this point, if the if the news media was being balanced, shall we say, these states that have lawsuits pending right now that they're going through recounts, they're, uh-huh. you would take those off the board and say, neither candidate has it. You would You would take it off and say, look, there's contention here. We're going to wait for uh, the vote or, or, you know, the recount or the the legal proceedings to verify who gets this and then step back. But instead, Biden won. They're giving you the they're feeding you the propaganda saying Biden won, Biden won, Biden won. And so now when Trump contests this and he goes through all the legal options or, you know, the legal options. And if any of it's overturned and he ends up winning, then they're going to say Trump stole the election. Oh, yeah. He's he's committing the coup. Look at him. He's uh, he's the dictator. He won't leave. Right. You know, th- right. Then then everything that we covered in the Transition Integrity Project will be played out, won't it? Because this is exactly what they played out. I'm looking at the Transition Integrity Project and I'm thinking to myself, why is there no scenario in here about Biden losing? Everything was about Trump losing because he was meant to lose. He was not going to get reelected regardless, even though he has. He has, in my humble opinion, in my humble opinion. You don't freeze the again. You don't freeze the vote. I mean, I have the counts. I exactly. I have the counts in these battleground states where he was leading by more than 10 percent in most of them. And then they stopped the vote at 430 in the morning or 330 or whatever it was. They dumped the ballots at 4, 430. And then all of a sudden, the next morning after everybody wakes back up, all of a sudden he's losing all these states. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. Oh, see, they counted all night and they, you know, they they found some ballots they went in the home. back room. They went home. They weren't counting. 
they went home. Which, by the way, that that is actually one of the um, allegations. Um, the uh, what is the word? I just had it. The the legal document where someone signs it and says affidavit. they're testifying that they see this affidavit. Yeah, that one of the affidavits say, uh, I believe it was a woman. She was uh, a ballot counter, and she said that. When they brought new ballots in, it would come through the front door and they would, you know, bring them in and and that they would organize them and all that, whatever. She said, uh, but then there was uh, towards the end of, of counting, they started pulling ballots out from the back room from behind. These ballots were all for Biden by 100 percent. And that's the only thing that was voted on was the presidency. There was no um, Senate, House. There was no none of that. So kind of seems a little suspect if you ask me, but they were told to continue counting those as well and include those. So finishing up with this poll here, uh, it says that uh, the poll was a portion of a larger survey gathering Americans' opinions before news organizations called the race, which that's all that's called at this point is just the uh, the media. That's it. No, they, no one else is actually calling that. Has Has Biden even declared victory? I'm not sure that he has. Has Trump declared uh, that he's lost? I, I don't think that he has. Concession has not happened yet. No, Trump said he won't. He's not. He's There is going to be no concession from Trump okay, until good. they go through the legal process. Good. And then once the legal process has gone through and he's clearly lost, he's exhausted all legal options. He has said, we will concede and we will leave the White House. Yeah, okay. I mean, he was. But Bruce, why won't he concede? Why, why hasn't he said that he'll concede? Exactly. <laughs> it's just it's just, it's ridiculous. Anyway, according to the broader survey, 72 percent of Americans said the election loser must concede and 60 percent believe there will be a peaceful transition of power from the Trump administration to the Biden administration on January 20th. Really? Mm. In addition, by the way, this reminded me one of the Trump campaign or one of the Trump staffers or whatever asked was asked on one of the news medias if the the Trump administration would peacefully transition and to the next presidency. And he said, uh, oh, yeah, there'll be there'll be very peaceful transition when Trump takes office again. I, I, I think so, too. I think that was um, I think that was Mike Pompeo. Did he say that? Secretary Mike Pompeo? I think, I think it was. Yeah. He says that there, there's nothing to worry about here. Nothing to worry about here. Yeah. In addition, 70 percent of Americans, including 83 percent of Democrats and 59 percent of Republicans, believe the elect the local election officials do their job honestly. Do they? We just went over uh, the local Democratic Party wing in, in Philadelphia. Does that sound like someone doing their job? Honestly, that that group of people they had in there that are still in there, I might this, add. This sounds like a propaganda piece. How many Republicans say that the, the they do it honestly? Fifty nine percent. Uh huh. And how many Democrats? Eighty three. OK, so it sounds a bit like a propaganda piece, if you ask me, mm-hmm. because well, number it's one, sun papers, it's the sun papers. It's, it's Murdoch. Well, true. And the, the other question I have uh, going forward, why do we have public polls? Look at the major news medias. Look at what their polling numbers were. Look at what any of the polling numbers were. They said Trump was going to lose by double digits in many of these states. Oh, well, actually, all the states he was going to lose by dig- double digits. Some of the news, the major news medias were over nine points off. To give you an idea, the, the, the margin of error is like 3%. They were three times worse or they were it just, I don't understand. Other than it was propaganda. That's it. They were trying to suppress the voters. That's the only thing I can conclude on that. Well, I mean, we knew that the polls were garbage going into it, right? I mean, these are the same polls. These are, these are the same media outlets in 2016 that said the same thing about Hillary. 
So, I mean, we, we knew that the polls were garbage. We, we knew they were crap. And the polls have been off, right? They haven't been correct. And and honestly, I mean, you're, you're playing out these these fake poll numbers and playing out the fake results of this election. That's what it's come down to, is one has played right into the hand of the other. But nonetheless, they're saying that, oh, he's got more votes than, than any other president since Reagan, since Obama and all this stuff. Give me a break. This guy can't get 12 people in a parking lot. To, to give a speech to other than media people. It, it's just, it's not possible. You know, again, I, I'm willing to accept the results of a U.S. election. I don't care who it is. If the Democrat Party wanted to win this election, popular vote, electoral vote, hands down, all they had to do was run Bernie Sanders. That's all they had to do, honestly. And I think that Bernie probably would have won, to be fair, against Trump, to be fair. Now, is uh, that- I don't think so. You don't think so? I, I think that it's a, no. it's a very good possibility. I mean, if you look at, okay- let me put it let me put it this way. Let's put it into perspective like this. If there was no pandemic, okay, if there was no COVID, right? So if there was no COVID and it was a straight shot, Trump versus Sanders. Sanders can pull the crowds. He can pull the crowds. I would believe a Sanders victory over a Biden victory any day of the week. Any day of the week. Simply because of the popularity. I'm talking about popularity. Bernie knows how to to talk to the younger. I'm not saying that these people are informed. I'm saying they're misled, but nonetheless, he's got enough dumbed down people that that uh, that follow his marching mantra that across the college campuses. He can pull the young vote. I, I OK, so I don't disagree that he could pull the young the younger vote, but I don't think he would be able to contend with. We'll, we'll put it this way. The average American is concerned about the economy first. If there was no pandemic and everybody was doing well, six thousand dollars more in the bank uh, on average, uh, lower taxes, which is what Trump tax cuts are giving you, by the way. Yeah, right. Um, the, the lower taxes, the more people at work. I, I believe uh, before the pandemic, we were at, what, a 3% unemployment rate or 3.5 or somewhere in there. It was the best it, we've seen yeah, in a very long between time. Between three and four. I think it was like 3.5, 3.8, something like that. Yeah. You're yeah, close. something like that. So it's the best we've seen in a very long time. People with a good economy, people are not going to look to change. If the president is doing well and his policies are are helping them in their pocketbook and they see, uh, for example, Bernie coming in and saying, hey, we're going to have socialist medical care. We're going to have um, a carbon tax. We're going to have more taxes to pay for the medical care. We're going to do all this stuff that's going to cost you more money. Just looking at it on the surface, the average American is going to be like, uh, I'm doing better now than I've ever been in a very long time. And in some cases, most cases, they wouldn't vote for him. I don't think they would vote for him. Now, that said, keep in mind that this, this is this is the greatest turnout for um, a Republican president. He has had more turnout than anyone since Reagan, I believe. And they're saying at the same time that we've had more turnout for Donald Trump, Biden has had more turnout. In fact, he had so much more turnout that he's surpassed the first black president. Barack and if Obama. you're to look at if you're to look at the mainstream news articles, oh, this is how Biden got all the churches. This is how Biden got the religious people. This is how Biden got the suburban moms. This is how Biden got the and it goes yeah. on and on and on. Yeah. And then they're wanting you to believe all of this at the same time together. But then at the same time, they're wanting you to believe that Biden won by the same margin that Barack Obama won over McCain. So they're saying that President Trump's campaign is McCain's. It's the same as the two. I mean, McCain lost by what, like double digits, I believe? It's like nine or 10 points, somewhere in there. It's, 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 it's a pretty big margin. They're saying that 
all of these things are true all at once, and yet he still lost by a huge margin. It, it doesn't add up. The the math does not work. Well, see, Bruce, you're you're just not willing to accept the Biden victory. That's all. I mean, if you just listen to the media, they've already called it. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what happens from here on out. They've already called it, so it's over. It's over. Let's look at because th- this this farce is already looking at putting together a uh, <clears throat> a transition team. Well, some very prominent, if you want to call it that, uh, progressive organizations are now putting together a wish list of cabinet members that could possibly take over in in his administration. And uh, they're asking for, let me see, the list of recommendations for 13 13 key government positions includes well-known progressive allies. Yeah, we'll go over some of these names. All-star lineup is what this is. All-star lineup. Uh, Some of whom would most likely be palatable to Democrats across the spectrum. Now, again, this is being put together by the Progressive Caucus, of course, right? Which, by the way, is just on a side note, is essentially the the Communist Party USA. They just changed their name around 20 years ago. Just throwing that out there. Some of the people on the list, though, still are are sure to cause some... uh, some controversy, maybe just a little bit, because of the party's moderate wing in the Democrat side I'm talking about, right? Because again, AOC said it best, and I I mean this with all sincerity, I'm not being sarcastic or facetious or anything. AOC said that she feels like the enemy in her own party, and she's right. She really is right. If you're a radical left winger in the Democrat Party to the old guard of the party, the Pelosi's, the Schumer's, uh, the Nadler's, the rest of them, you're a danger to them. You represent a threat to them. So, yes, you are that threat. You are the enemy to those people. So she's right. She's right on that. Now, among the leaders, the groups are pressing for Mr. Biden to appoint, for instance, Ms. Warren. Right. Elizabeth Warren, Senator Elizabeth Warren as the Treasury secretary. Of course, I mean, I mean, you, you couldn't get honestly, I don't I'm not sure that you could get a better choice than that. I mean, maybe you could bring Tim Geithner back. He, he might like that, you know, from the Obama years. You might bring him back. Um, and now this is where it gets good. You ready for this one, Bruce? Bernie Sanders as a labor secretary. I mean, I, I can't think of a better choice there, honestly. I mean, I, I think that's that's a fantastic choice. What do you think? Uh, what's your end goal? Well, it's American jobs. It's jobs, jobs, oh, jobs. That's what. That's okay. what. Yeah, green, Job, green jobs, job, okay. green, good green. paying, oh, green. high, okay. yeah, uh, uh, mm-hmm. high paying uh, jobs. That's all he says. Mm-hmm. M- millions of jobs, Go- millions, millions of jobs, government jobs. That right? Um, no, no, can't say I'm on board with that. No, no, you're not. You're not on board with that. Okay. Uh, uh, no, no. Both standard, bo- both standard bearers of the progressive movement, whose policies are viewed by some Democrats as too extreme. Just just a little bit too extreme. You know, the, the Green New Deal, you know, it's only going to cost 100 trillion. Well, actually, it's going to be more than that after some of the stuff we found out today. Uh, it's literally the end of the human race if you implement that, more or less. Uh, we'll go over that with Marty. We're holding that one for him because what the World Economic Forum is saying about uh, 2030, oh, we need to sit down and we need to discuss that because that's, that's horrendous. So uh, moving right along here. Both Warren and Sanders, though, are said to be interested in the jobs. You'll be happy to know. Yeah. But appointing them to top government posts would be complicated by the fact that the states they represent, of course, Massachusetts and Vermont, are led by Republican governors. Yeah. And Democrats would want to make sure that any replacements would caucus with them to keep the the balance of the Senate intact, of course. Of course. Oh, now, see, yes, yeah, you, you don't you don't you know, because I mean, you have the Republican governor. If, if a senator, just for those that don't know, if a senator takes another job, if, a, for example, like um, uh, who did this happen with? Um, 
It was it was John Kerry, wasn't it? I think it was John Kerry was was the last one. He took a job in the Obama administration and they had to replace his seat. So the governor of of that state had to pick his seat. And so that that's what happens here is when one of these uh, senators goes and takes a different job as a cabinet member, then the governor of that state has to appoint that seat. So Isn't that a catch 22. It is. That's it a- is. Because if you've got uh, Vermont and Massachusetts, both Republican governors now, who do you think they're going to appoint to those seats? It's not going to be another hard uh, left wing progressive Democrat. Well, maybe, maybe it, it could be a progressive because I don't know if those governors are rhinos or if they're legit constitutionalists. True. Yeah, true. Uh, so. You got to think, though, those states, I mean, that's that's old. That's old Democrat money up there. You know, that's like old Kennedy-esque yeah. era Democrat money. So, OK, now also on the list now, here again, these, as I said, all star lineup, all star lineup here. Representative Barbara Lee of California for the secretary of state. You know, fa- fantastic choice. I think that is Bruce. You're going to love this one. Keith Ellison, attorney general for the state of Minnesota for U.S. attorney general. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 Representative Rashida Tlaib of Michigan, one of four congresswomen known as, yeah, known from the squad, uh, for uh, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Okay, so she'd be the new HUD secretary. So she, the the racist, xenophobic, anti-Semitic. Yes. Okay. Wasn't yeah, she? That, that wasn't sense. she the one that yeah. said? What? Hold on a minute. Wasn't she the one that said all we needed to do was mint a platinum coin, a trillion dollar platinum coin? Was that the one? Actually, I think she is the one. Yeah. Okay. Um, Representative. Pramila Jayapal of Washington, a co-chairwoman of the Congressional Progressive Caucus as Secretary for Health and Human Services. So she'd be the new HHS secretary. Representative Deb Haaland of New Mexico for Secretary of the Interior. I didn't even know we had a Secretary of the Interior. It's familiar, but I don't know what they do. Um, I would assume they just sit there and collect money and and make appearances. That's probably about all they do. Uh, Representative Choi Garcia of Illinois for Secretary of Transportation. We have a Secretary of Transport, really? We've we've got a department for everything and two departments My for those departments. God. Okay. Representative uh, Shelley Pingree of Maine for Secretary of Agriculture. Oh, uh, real quick, just a bit of house house cleaning. The Secretary of Interior would be over. Um, federal land and natural resources. Oh, oh, okay. Well, see now again, if the progressive caucus were picking these people, I'm sure that, you know, they have, they have the people's interest at heart. I honestly, uh, I, I think a great salting the earth, scorch earth policy. If, if Trump loses is to just start abolishing departments of government, <laughs> that'd be so fun. But anyway, well, like that's I in said, his power. Like I said, he's nicer than I would be. Yes. The economist, Joseph E. Stiglitz, right? Do you remember this guy? Yeah. Uh, As the director of the National Economic Council, it's like putting a fox in charge of the hen house. Uh, Derek Hamilton, an economist and executive director of the Kerwin Institute at The Ohio State University for chair of the Council of Economic Advisors. Where was where was Biden's because didn't he have a whole bunch of paperwork he sent to a university to hold on to? What university was it? I, I want to say it was the Ohio State University. That's that's what I was thinking, too. It, it I, I want to say it's what it was. I'm sure Mr. Hamilton had nothing to do with that or knew nothing about it. I'm, I'm sure. Mustafa Ali, vice president of environmental justice, climate and community revitalization for the National Wildlife Federation for administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency. Hmm. OK. And you're really going to love 
Yeah, yeah, you're you're gonna love this. You're gonna love this last choice here. This 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 to me. I mean, I, I can't think of a can't think of a better person. I would and more qualified. I might add to to put in this position. Um, the Sunrise and Justice Democrats are also urging Mr. Biden to create a new White House Office of Climate Mobilization to coordinate climate efforts across the government and to appoint as its leaders either Governor Jay Inslee of Washington. Yeah, mm. great job he's done out there. Great job yes. he's done out there, yeah. destroying mm-hmm. that state, turning it into a, a hellhole uh, r- yeah. run by a bunch of junkies and, and bums down there in, in downtown Seattle to create that hell zone called Chaz or Chop or whatever the hell it was. They're also calling for Gina McCarthy, an EPA administrator under President Barack Obama, or now this this honestly, I think this one would be my would be my choice. John Podesta as as oh, head of the, yeah. uh, the the new uh, White House Office of Climate Mobilization. John Podesta. I mean, mm-hmm. I honestly, I, I can't think of a more qualified individual than uh, than John Podesta for for that particular position. Uh, and of course, he is the founder of the Center for American Progress. Right. And now, see, he was also an advisor to President Obama on climate change. So, uh, I mean, it's just it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense to put these people. Th- this is this is probably the most corrupt guy that has been in our political system over the last 47 years. Was it 47 years or 49 years? He's been to hell. It doesn't matter. He's been in there for almost 50 years. He and his entire family should be in handcuffs, not being inaugurated as president of the United States. And this group of people that you're going to bring that John Podesta, John Podesta and his brother should be in handcuffs in a lineup next to him. Not to mention some of these other people. The, the corruption is rampant with these people. And, and we're actually entertaining this garbage. Yeah, he's only a political consultant, by the way. Oh, unbelievable. Anyway. Yeah, let me just remind the listener. Let, let's say that uh, Biden does end up winning after all the legal stuff. And let's say that the Republicans re- retain the, the Senate. Hell, let's let's even go conservative and say they even won the House. So Republicans own the House and Senate. So basically you would contend, well, Biden wouldn't be able to do anything, right? He wouldn't be able to pass any bills or anything. To, the amount of damage he can do just having the presidency by appointing the different people into these departments, the kind of damage they can do there could collapse the nation, literally. They can crush the economy with some of their policies and... Uh, changes that they can do on the on those levels. Honestly, after what we read today, after what we were looking at with those eight steps, which we're going to go over, uh, just a little side note there, a little slight preview with one of the steps in there, they have to destroy the American economy It has to go. They have to crush it. You have to you, and literally you have to crush it. So I think when you bring in this all star lineup, like we're talking about here, that's a surefire way to crush it. That's a surefire way yeah. to crush it. Yeah. There's also um, real quick, there's another department that Twitter's calling for the Biden administration to appoint, and that's the uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And basically, these guys are to address the problem of Trump supporters and um, donators, anybody that supported Trump at all. Basically, if you're on the right, you can't ever win again. We have to show an example because clearly you guys were crazy Nazis. I mean, clearly you're you're demented. You have issues. So we're going to have to create a reconciliation project and we're going to have to retrain you in the ways you're supposed to think. And well, that sounds uh, a little bit like um, just on a side note, that sounds a little bit like uh, reeducation, not reconciliation. Yeah. It seems like they've yeah, just yeah. rebranded the term. 
Yeah. I mean, clearly they're thinking wrong. And, you know, it, it, re-education is a little, uh, I don't know, it has some negative connotations to it. You know, that's not really what we're intending. We're intending more of a gulag. That's literally what they're asking for is a gulag for the people that supported Trump. So uh, the the one that would be over that, by the way, would probably be Robert Reich. And we've talked about him before and I've made my jokes about his last name before. But they're they're insane. Some of the stuff they're wanting to do. They it would are crush insane. our economy. It would they crush the, the the American dream would be done. And then we're wanting to put half the nation in a gulag? Really? Well, see, Bruce, it's just reconciliation. It's just that's that's all it is. But see, this this goes on to what I was mentioning the other day. And you talk there about crashing the economy and things like that. You know, it's honestly, like I said, they need something. They need something. I don't know what it is. I don't know how they're going to trigger this yet. I think I think that it could be because of the look at the way that everything has been turned back on itself. Everything with COVID has been turned back on itself. Everything with uh, the election, again, has been turned back on itself. That's their modus operandi this time around, is to turn everything back onto itself. So what you're seeing isn't what they say you're actually seeing. Again, take COVID, for example, right? COVID is not designed to threaten you, per se. It's designed to make you a threat to everyone else. That's what it's designed to do. And and that's how they've they've twisted it and they've turned it. It's the same thing with the election. It's not designed to make you think that Trump lost. It's designed to make you think that Biden won. Notice they're not saying anywhere that Trump actually lost. They're not saying that. They're not saying it outright. They're just asserting the message. Biden won. Biden won. Biden won. We've called it. It's over. They haven't actually said that Trump has lost because he hasn't. And again, this is out of CNBC just the other day. U.S. faces a potential secession crisis at home and an open conflict with China in the coming decade. Now, why would you see a piece like that? This mirrors what was out of the New York Times op-ed a few months back. They were talking about a secession movement in there. Now, you can't have a secession movement with a Biden presidency. It won't fly. It doesn't play because they'll bring everything down on in on itself uh, at, at the same time. So it, it doesn't play. They need something in there to drive that wedge. And I haven't figured out what it is yet. They have to do something in order to trigger that. And, and that's in the cards. But, and, and that's that's the thing. It's out here in the open. It's in our faces of what they say they're going to do. It's just we have to figure out how they're going to do it. That's what I've been scratching my head over for the last two or three days now is, well, ever since the, uh, the election, I'm like, this isn't going to work. Now, if you play the pieces that that they have on the board that are in play, such as a Biden uh, win that they're calling, but the courts overturn it, well, then what does that do? What does that do? That sets the stage for these other plays that they're looking to make. If they overturn it, if the courts overturn, which there's nothing to overturn here, to be fair, if the courts rule in favor of Trump, well, then everything that you've been told over the last few months or even I I mean, here's another option we haven't even considered. What if the electorate doesn't vote for Biden? I mean, that's possible, too. But if they do that, if there is a um, a swing back and it is found that there was fraud, the votes get thrown out, Trump goes in, the narrative by the media is, oh, he's illegitimate. He's he's trying to stage a coup. He's not the real president. And then you're going to have the Democrats whisk Biden and Harris off. They'll inaugurate them in another state because you've got Nancy Pelosi saying it doesn't matter geographically where the White House is. She said that in a statement. Doesn't matter geographically where the White House is. All it matters is that there is a president sworn in at that location who is a legitimate president. Now, why would she say that? Why would she say that on MSNBC? Why, why would she say something like that? Well, who would make such a statement like that if they weren't planning to do it? 
It's in our faces. That's honestly what I think they're they're gaming for. Um, I think so, too. And they think that they're going to gain some kind of support for it because of the message and the narratives they're putting out now. And I don't think it's going to work. All they're doing is alienating themselves, like you started with earlier about social media. They're just alienating themselves. Same thing with Fox News, Neil Cavuto. Everyone's walking away. You're not going to gain any support. You're not going to gain any popularity. You people are a disgrace. You're a disgrace. You stole the election out there in front of the world. They don't really need to have support, though, because they already have support from the people they they want currently, which is the ones that will go out there and riot and loot and, and destroy things. Right. Yes. Um, you 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 already had people out there rioting uh, when they were saying Biden won, Biden won. You had people out there rioting, saying Biden's not good enough, down with America, down with Biden, all that. Like some of these and, groups don't even care who's in office. And BLM and Antifa, by the way, are turning on each other right now. Yeah. So. Uh, we we also seen the the uh, groups. Some of the groups were prepping to riot, and then the media started saying, uh, "Oh no, Biden won," and they backed down and didn't riot. Uh, some of the riots that had already started ended, and then they went to um, celebrations and all those kind of things. So if they had something like I don't know, all the the votes being overturned or ballots thrown out because they were invalid, or you know, and Trump wins. Well, they Trump stole the election, so let's have a riot. They would riot. And let's not forget about the people that were being paid $100 an hour to, to stand out there in, in support of Biden in the streets. Let, let's not forget about that, which they good actually pay. were. They, they actually, it was good pay. The, the guy asked, he said, well, how much are you getting paid? He goes, $400. He said, for how long? He said, for an, each hour that I stand out here. So he got paid yeah, $100 for each hour to stand out there for four hours just, uh, to hold up a Biden sign. So there you go. There's your there's your democracy. There's your vote. All right. Um, <laughs> I... I I almost don't want to talk about this because it's just going to take so much time, but I I suppose we could kind of compress it down a little bit. So now all of a sudden there is a quote COVID-19 vaccine. All of a sudden it's just there, right? Oh, oh, look, we've already got it. It's it's here. I told you months ago, they've already got whatever it is they're going to give to you. It's not going to do anything. And lo and behold, it's 90 percent effective. It's got a 90 percent success rate. And they weren't part of Operation Warp Speed. Hmm. What company does that? Oh, it's it's Pfizer. Pfizer's come out with this thing. They weren't part of any of this. You see, they've been developing all this and, and they ha- they've had great success with it. And there's really not much else to, to talk about here. Governments are losing control of the situation. The Italians. What's happening in Italy right now? Does anybody even know? Does anybody even know? It's being reported in Italy that the hospitals are overrun. There's the, the doctors are... Uh, are not able to handle it. There's hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of ill people and, and, and there's no one to deal with all of it. The hospitals are surged to capacity. And they don't know what's going to happen down there. Do you know what was actually happening down there? The Italian people who are tired of being locked down went to the actual homes of the politicians that are imposing this to their front doors and were ringing their doorbells last night. Thousands of them, tens of thousands of them. The Brits have had enough. The Germans have had enough. The Spanish have had enough. The French have had enough. The Dutch are getting it. Lockdowns are not working. So they need to come up with another scenario now. Now they need to come up with this. uh, Now all of a sudden, just again, all of a sudden, oh, we have a vaccine and it's 90% effective. The best flu vaccine you've developed, which by the way is a form of a coronavirus, the best flu vaccine you've developed over the last 50 years has only had a 45% effective rate. And now all of a sudden you've developed something that's going to cure uh, the basis of the common cold that's got an over 90% effective rate, which by the way, was largely funded by a company called Novavax, which we covered here at Nauseam, who has never developed a single 
working, viable vaccine in its entire existence since 1987. And all of a sudden, you've got a vaccine that magically just appears and works. They're losing control of the situation. So they need to reassert some kind of a foothold. And they think that this is going to do it. Do you honestly think Bill Gates is probably the most hated man on the planet right now? And he's about to meet with Boris Johnson. We've got that coming up uh, here in the next few days with Marty. Do you honestly think that people are going to be accepting of this? The Europeans, by and large, are not big vaccine takers. I'd argue the Americans are more vaccine takers than the Europeans are. And you're going to force that in over here? I don't think it's going to work. I, I really don't think it's going to work. Popularity wise. It's not going to work in the U.S. either. If you try to mandate something like that, that's going to start a shooting war. And those idiots know it. They know it. Well, you've already now, heard uh, what the left are saying in the U.S. They're saying, what's, what's uh, well, we, we, we went over it uh, with um, Cuomo. He's saying it's, it's a, a good and bad thing. Oh, yes. Uh, and they have to yeah. get 350 million doses. And so, in some cases, twice people are going to have to get it twice. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it, it's going to be bad for Trump to do it. And basically, from what I understand, why Trump's going to be it's going to be so bad is because he's relying on the private sector to get it done, whereas Biden would rely on the government uh, to to get it done. So in, in essence, Trump is going to say, if you want the vaccine, here it is. Have at it. It's alluded to that Biden would have a mandatory vaccine, which, number one, he has no authority to do. And number two, Americans aren't going to take it. If you force an American to take it, they aren't going to take it. If you say, here it is, if you choose to take it, more people will take it. I don't know. It's just so. They can't do that. They, they can't. They can't We're, say that. that no, what I mean is, is they can't say, well, here it is. To your point, more people would be more apt to take it if you had if you gave them a choice. They don't want to give people a choice. These people that are in charge of all this stuff, they have no empathy whatsoever. None. They don't care if they hurt people. They don't care. So it's it's not a matter of giving them a choice. They want to make it to where you don't have a choice with anything. Nothing. It's it's not enough for them. Before we get too far ahead, uh, did you have more stuff on Pfizer talking? I do. We, we brought them I up. Do. Okay, I just yeah, I, do. I wanted to make sure because I I pulled it up on the HHS website. Yeah, yeah, as I, well. I got it. Yeah, I got okay. it here. So I want to talk about okay, just real, making sure. Real, yeah, yeah, real quick. I want to talk about Pfizer's political donations. I want to talk about this because I'm sure this has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> Just sheer coincidence, I'm sure. Which, to be fair, I'm not I'm not being sarcastic here. To be fair, political parties, both of them, right, the the two big ones, Republicans and the Democrats, they get donations all the time from uh, from the same people. So it, I, I know, I mean, I know people personally that give to both parties, and I say, well, why do you give to both parties? Well, we give to both parties because whoever wins, we need them to do the work for us. So. I mean, that's that's just the way it is. Pfizer's political donations favored Democrats in the 2020 cycle with Biden the highest recipient. Huh? No, uh, no conflict of interest there or anything, I'm sure. Pfizer, which announced on Monday that its COVID-19 vaccine has a 90 percent effectiveness in humans. You notice that they say, oh, it wasn't part of Operation Warp Speed. So Trump had nothing to do with it. You notice that? Yeah, they cut all that out so conveniently. Um, that's a uh Thing I have on there, by the way. Yeah, that yeah. Part, right? yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. You, uh, I, I'll, I'll just go over this real quick, and then we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. Now, Pfizer favored Democrats overall with campaign contributions in the 2020 election cycle, according to Open Secrets data. Pfizer employees and its affiliated political action committees donated 60.3 percent to Democrats in 2020 alone. And 39.6 to Republicans. See, they give to both parties. Democrat presidential nominee Joe Biden was the top recipient himself was the top recipient with two hundred fifty six thousand five hundred and twenty dollars in contributions. Hmm. 
Pfizer CEO Albert Borla said on Monday that the timing of the company's COVID-19 vaccine announcement had nothing to do with the presidential election. Of course not. No, no. Television networks. Yeah. Television networks like like NBC News reported the Democratic presidential uh, nominee Joe Biden as the winner of the race on Saturday. Of course, yeah, it has has nothing to do with it. Okay, so Trump tweeted out, he says the FDA and the Democrats didn't want uh, didn't want to have uh, have me get a vaccine win prior to the election. So instead, it came out five days later, as I've said all along. That's what Trump said. Um, well, yeah, but uh, Saturday it was announced the first workday after the major news, mor- the, the corporate media said uh, Biden won. Pfizer comes out and says, hey, we got a vaccine. Check it out. That, that doesn't seem suspect to people. Of course not. Anyway, uh, go ahead with your point there. I, I just wanted to go over that. Uh, just the little contribution there, just slightly. I mean, I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure it has nothing to do with anything. It doesn't have any. No, and it, the fact I, that Biden himself got a quarter of a million dollars just on, on his own. I mean, I'm, I'm, from the actual, I'm yeah. sure it had nothing to do with anything. No, no, I'm sure it doesn't have anything. And the, the other thing that I wanted to go over is Pfizer was saying, we're, we're not a part of warp speed at all. We, we, we don't, we're not you know involved at all. July 22nd. This is from the HHS website, right? HHS.gov. Okay. So this is a government website. HHS announced uh, up to $1.95 billion in funds to Pfizer for the large-scale manufacturing and nationwide distribution of 100 million doses of their vaccine candidate. The federal government will uh, own the 100 million doses of vaccine initially produced as a result of this uh, agreement. Pfizer will deliver the doses in the United States if the product successfully receives FDA and EUA and what? Just on a side note, the the amount of doses we ordered for $1.6 billion, that order was put in through Novavax for exactly 100 million doses. Yeah. So it it just seems interesting that uh, the the other thing that was kind of interesting here, I'm not really sure how this one works. It it seems a little bit sketchy saying that um, the federal government will own these hundred million doses. Kind of seems a little. I'm assuming they're going to. This is just my guess. I'm assuming because I I heard Fauci made a statement, uh, something about uh, cold storage. So I'm assuming that they're going to revamp the nation's stockpile that would that Obama exhausted. I'm assuming that's what they're going to do with us. Yeah. So the hundred million, honestly, what what it sounds like they're going to do. Okay. So if this were a Trump administration, I would assume it was it would be transitioning to the federal government. They're the ones purchasing it, and then it'll, they'll dis- distribute it to like the the basically each state's own hospitals and all that kind of stuff like they'll work on the distribution of it under a biden campaign however or uh, or or administration i I question what their motive would be after we've seen the kind of people that they would be putting into uh the cabinet all-star lineup bruce yeah all-star lineup it it, it sounds like you would have a mandatory federally mandated vaccination be a federally Uh, mandated everything i think (laughs) true true be another Woodrow Wilson. Anything else you got today? Uh, I think that that pretty much that covers it. Yeah. Okay. But uh, again, like I said, yesterday was a uh, was a pleasure. Good to get back into the pol- uh, the politic game today. Um, nice to uh, to get some of these grievances out there and uh, front and center. But uh, we are going to have to leave for today. For those of you who would like to follow us, you can do so. You can't obviously find us on Facebook or Twitter. Well, actually, we do have a Twitter page still. It hasn't been banned yet. 
uh, but none of us are actually over there. But uh, I am on Parlor. I haven't been over there in quite a while, but I, I'm going to start get back, getting back into it here soon because, uh, well, I, I feel like everybody's moving over there. So, I mean, why not? So uh, you can follow me over there at Anderson 3 or you can follow Marty at Marty Foster. As, as he said the other day, he welcomes all the feedback, and as do I. So uh, drop me a line over there. Uh, give me some feedback. Uh, give us some feedback. Or if you would rather reach out to us via email, you can do so by dropping us a line anytime at tips at dynamicindependence.com. Or if you would like to be a potential guest on one of our shows at some point, uh, we would welcome your opinion. We'd like to get you in on our conversation. Uh, and take part in uh, in the discussions that we have. As I said, drop us a line at our email account. Also, if, if you're recommending us to friends and family, we would greatly appreciate that. We're looking to grow our audience here as much as possible, but we need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that. So if you could pass this along to friends, family, and known associates, we would appreciate that. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts with the exception of SoundCloud. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you could drop over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce, thank you for your time tonight. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.